J.C. Corcoran Podcast. You're not really listening to me, are you? Uh-huh. I mean, I could say anything right now, like, you're a complete tool. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't hear it, because you're a freak with a microphone. Uh-huh. It's not even challenging anymore. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Isn't that true, sphincter boy? Uh-huh. For over 200 years, freedom of speech has been the cornerstone of American democracy. Yet there is one word that Washington doesn't want you to use. The word f***. The politicians want you to use words like fudge or fooey. But it's not the same as having the freedom to say, hey, f*** face, go f*** yourself. Send a message to the politicians who would keep you from using f***. Vote yes on Proposition F. Proposition F guarantees your right to say f*** you, f*** it, f*** all, and f*** a, whenever and wherever you choose. And isn't that what our f***ing forefathers f***ing fought for? This election day, vote f*** yes on Proposition F. Paid for by the committee to make f*** an accepted part of the English language. Now I'm just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're our teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before. It's like deja vu all over Thursday, July 27th, 2023, you are at jconline.com. Don't forget now, this being Thursday, this is the last podcast until next week. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I started doing Monday through Thursday instead of Monday through Friday. So this is it for the weekend. And I'd like to say that I hope when we all get back together again on Monday, that the heat will not be such an issue, but that's not the case. 102 today, 103 tomorrow. Tomorrow, by the way, is going to be the worst day of all of it because the humidity will be way up. And they're saying it could feel like 115 in some places tomorrow when you factor in the humidity. Saturday, 98. Sunday, 94. Sounds like it's coming down, right? Yeah, it goes right back up next week, mid to upper 90s. Again, what do you do with Kevin Spacey? Right at the end of the show yesterday, we got into this a little bit, and I've been sort of watching the stories and also his reaction, and it's starting to look like it was very, very possible that there were people just trying to drain money off of him. And like I said yesterday, I know a little bit about this because that's happened to me a couple of times, too. Nobody does that anymore because they, you know I don't, I don't have any money anymore, but that's another story. John Hewlett still has the first dollar he ever made. He has all of the broadcast broadcasting money now and he's happily mostly retired hi john but here's the point if it turns out that kevin spacey completely exonerated from all of this stuff then why wouldn't he be welcomed again in hollywood he was such a good and sought after performer that if it turns out that's why you do this stuff that's why you take things to court now sometimes you are taken to court but It still comes out in the wash the same way. At the end, they either say, we think there's sufficient evidence to show that you are guilty of these things, or, nah, we don't think you did it. But a weird thing happens. Even if you're exonerated, there's a segment of this population that says, yeah, you probably did it, they just couldn't prove it. There's people like that. And when you're at the other end of that stuff, it really is demoralizing because you're like, well, then why did I bother to go through all of this? I'm trying to clear my name. I'm trying to say that 
people accused me of something that I did not do. Now I took it to court. It's the only legal system we have. It has its flaws, but this is the one we use. And I used that legal system, and that legal system says I didn't do it. Well, like I said, there's still people who will say, well, you know. And I've met Kevin Spacey. I've interviewed him a couple of times. He's a little on the slick side. In person, he is not that dissimilar from a lot of the characters he plays. A little on the smug side. Not not unlikable, nothing like that, but just a little on the smug side. But again, the question becomes, you know, do you let him back in? Does Hollywood start giving roles to Kevin Spacey again? Clearly, one of this country's best actors. That Mitch McConnell thing yesterday was scary. I don't like Mitch McConnell, but you hate to see anybody going through that. Now, first of all, he's getting very old. He's 81, and he's an old 81. Mitch McConnell has looked 81 for about the last 30 years. So he's not one of those 81-year-old guys that like still out there going to the gym and exercising and stretching and walking and doing all that stuff. He's an old 81. Plus, he recently had a concussion, and a lot of times that's what happens when you have a concussion. Months later, you'll be standing there, and all of a sudden, you'll do exactly what Mitch McConnell did yesterday. But that was really, really on the spooky side. And now to the issue of UFOs. So I had this thing up on Capitol Hill the last couple of days, really, but especially yesterday. And up on Capitol Hill, they're like, we're going to do a little investigating here because we got a whistleblower. We got somebody from the government who says he has documentation that our own government is not being straight with us about what we know about unidentified flying objects. More and more people, you know, you get these airline pilots, people who have absolutely no reason to just make shit up, you know, people with, uh, you know, with reputations and they've been hesitant to step forward because, you know, people are like, there's eh, a crackpot or we shouldn't let him fly anymore because he's seeing things. But, you know, we live in a different world right now. There are cameras everywhere, cameras everywhere. Anything happens there's almost always video of it. You got these guys have been flying for 20, 30 years going, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen any sort of aeronautical object able to basically defy the laws of physics and move the way it's moving. I know what I saw. I'm not crazy. So some of these people were testifying along with this whistleblower guy who apparently has pretty good credibility. I mean, you can't just go up to Capitol Hill and start talking. you got to have the street cred. You've got to have somebody believe in you in the first place, and he apparently does. So anyhow, he's up there pushing for more transparency. All right, Federal government knows things. They're not telling us. All we want is transparency. But then when they asked the guy, they said, do you have proof that our government has been in contact with any of these UFOs or with some sort of alien life body? And his answer is, I can't discuss that in public. Well, dude, which one is it? On one hand, you can't push for transparency. And then when somebody says, "Do you?" which, by the way, I take as a yes. If he says, if they ask him, do you have any proof that our government has been in contact with alien bodies? And he says, I can't discuss that in public. That tells me the answer is yes. And if the answer is yes, why don't you tell us? 
I mean, especially with the Hubble and especially the James Webb telescope that went up about a year and a half ago. You know, we know things now that we didn't know even 18 months ago. And when you start looking around, the idea that this little speck in the Milky Way is the only possible place where life exists it just seems so improbable. It's also fucking with religion, which I'm really happy about. The Catholic Church especially, over the years, you go back into the 1400s and the 1500s and in there, and you know they were responsible for suppressing information that scientists, I mean, look what Copernicus did. Copernicus said, um, you guys got this all wrong. You, you've got everybody revolving around us here on Earth. It's the other way around. We on Earth are revolving. We're going around the sun. And the church came along and said, really, really? You're fucking excommunicated. How do you like that? You know, but this whole idea about how, you know, God created the Earth in seven days and all that stuff just seems like fairy tales. It's always seemed like fairy tales to me, but especially now, you just sort of look around and the science just isn't supporting silliness like this. And all these fights that go on about evolution and creation and the Big Bang and all that sort of stuff mystifies me because if you're a religious person, why don't you just say the universe started with the Big Bang? That's what scientists are basically telling us. But God was in charge of all of it. God was the one that controlled all of it. God was the one that that lit the spark to make that one little particle go boom and produce everything that we know of today. Then everybody's happy. The scientists say it was the Big Bang. The religious people say, no, it wasn't. It was God. Now we know it wasn't. Just If you can just be reasonable, we're not, we're not children. My question is this. What do you think would happen if they called the news conference this afternoon and said, okay, they want transparency, so here you go. Yeah, there's UFOs. We've got some crashed spacecraft out in Roswell, and we got some alien bodies. We don't know what the fuck they are. And so there you go. You wanted to know if there was life on other planets and other galaxies, whatever? Yeah, answer's yes. Do they think we're going to go running through the streets screaming with our hair on fire? I think most people believe it anyhow and they have the government come along and say, yeah, well, you were right all along. What's wrong with that? You know, there's a great movie that came out about uh, maybe 15, 16 years ago called Last Night. Now, there's a couple of other movies. I think there's one that actually has that title. And I don't know how that can be because usually if, you know, there's copyright infringements and things like that. But in any event, it was a movie coming out of Canada. Sarah Polly is in this thing. And it is one of my all-time favorite movies because it's a story about the last day's on earth and in the movie they sort of pick it up in the middle they never really go into any detail about why the world is coming to an end we only know it's the date and the time and it's coming up in the next day or two and they even make reference to the fact that you know when the announcement was first made there were a lot of people who killed themselves and went running through the streets shooting off guns and what's left now are the people who decided to just stick it out and live till the final day. In one case, one family has the Christmas tree up, and they have a family dinner, and they're all speaking about the end of the world coming very matter-of-factly, which is sort of how I think it would be. And yeah, there might be a couple of people who would find out that there's, you know, <laughs> that there's life on other planets and throw themselves off a building, but, but you'd have to be awfully unstable to begin with to do something like that. It doesn't take much anymore to Push people off the edge, if you know what I mean. 
in the radio business, and it is varied from time to time. Sometimes it's been really bad. Other times it's not been as bad. But in the radio business, what happens? And maybe this is in your industry, too. I don't know. I can only speak what I know about. But when people start losing to you, they start playing dirty if they figure they can't compete honestly and fairly and you're just kicking the snot out of them and in some cases i'm sure they're afraid they're going to lose their job if they can't turn situations around so they become desperate desperate people do desperate things and in our business i've been on the receiving end of quite a bit of it because usually where i go things are successful and it's not that i have some sort of you know golden drop of retzen or some magic potion or anything like that. I know how to assemble good teams, and it is a group of people, generally speaking. Even with regard to the podcast, there's at least a couple of people involved in this. With the radio show on K-Wolf every day at 101.5 and 101.7 and streaming at kwolf.com. You know, even there, it's a group of people responsible for what is coming out of your speakers every day. One person cannot do all of that and again you get the right people and that's one of the keys to this whole thing but anyhow i digress going back to the idea of competition when people realize holy shit we can't beat this guy they start playing dirty and that's what happened on this day back in 1985 so if you'll recall what was going on at the time is i had been in st louis about a year brian adams was coming to town my recollection is he played the keel brian adams was coming to town very, very hot act at the time. And you got two radio stations playing Brian Adams music, both sort of trying to own the concert. Even though it's interesting, I've never really felt that because a radio station has its name in the print ad or gets to run commercials saying, you know, this is this radio station welcomes this act. I don't know that that necessarily converts into listenership or higher ratings i think it's one of those things like uh, getting an award if you get it it's great if you don't have it not really that big a deal but you know this was the mid 80s when you still had radio wars and they were wars by the way so anyhow you got kwk and casey where i was at the time all you know both clamoring to control if you will the narrative on this brian adams concert and the radio station i was at at the time was the one sponsoring it so kwk figures we got to get there we got to get some way we got to get in here somehow so a couple of days before the show john made some sort of off-handed comment about the condition of brian adams skin brian adams looks like he probably had a lot of acne when he was younger and has had skin problems along the way whatever the case may be if you've seen him you know what i'm talking about well we knew that kwk was recording our show every day and they would take things out of contest and then they would take things out of context and uh, edit them together send them to our advertisers and make it sound like we were really really bad people and in this particular case john made this comment about brian adams skin well we go to the concert after the concert we go backstage i got my tape recorder with me we're going to sit down we're going to get a quick little interview with brian adams and from way over across the hallway i see the kwk people they're all smiling and laughing and looking at us like oh you got we got you we got you and i'm looking around going how did you get us i don't feel like i've been got anyhow we start walking over towards brian adams they scamper away come up to brian adams hey brian how you doing and he has this look on his face like, go fuck yourself. And of course, 
I have no idea what's going on. But what KWK did is they took the cassette tape of this thing, they put it in the machine, took it backstage, got to him before we did, and played John's comment about Brian Adams' skin, which is a really creepy thing to do. I mean, it's one thing to say we want to get in the knickers of our competition. But at the same time, think about how creepy that is. You just played a tape for somebody. Okay, okay, maybe... You're saying, you know, we didn't do this. Our competitors did. But you're still playing a tape for a guy who probably had sort of a rough time, especially when he was younger and probably had really, really awful acne. And you're playing this comment for him. Ew, it's just it's so amateurish and creepy. But, you know, that was the story with those guys. So I sat down, did the interview anyhow, and it was a shitty interview. He was not happy. Didn't really give me anything that was of any consequence. You know, in the end, big fucking deal, right? It was in New York on this date back in 1990. And when you think to yourself, how does Steve Martin, who is one of the greatest comedians of all time, and they say, Steve, let's go do a movie. Okay, great. And what comes out is My Blue Heaven. And if you're saying to yourself, I never even heard of that movie, that's okay because it really stunk. You know, and you're just sitting there. He was sitting with Rick Moranis, who was also in the movie. And I'm looking at these two guys going, how in the hell do you two guys end up making such a shitty movie? But again, it goes back to that group thing I was talking about, especially when you make a movie and there's like 200 people involved, it's really, really easy to understand how things can jump the tracks. Presumed Innocent opened up on this date back in 1990, written by Scott Turo, who lived across the street from my college roommates in the northern Chicago suburbs, not far from the Home Alone house. And it was on this date back in 1984. You know, I had moved here Memorial Day weekend of 84, and so now it's July, and I still haven't met anybody. I'm, you know, hosting this terrifically successful radio show. It's only been a couple of months, but people are finding out about it very, very quickly. But I still got nothing going sort of socially. So it was a Friday evening and they sent me down to Keener Plaza. I didn't even know where I was. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Keener Plaza. I knew it was close to the ballpark, but beyond that, I didn't really know that much. And uh, a beautiful freckled redhead with big boobs and she was just so pretty came up and we started talking and i asked her for her phone number and she gave it to me now you gotta wait you know the obligatory week or so and i called her and we went out on this date back in 1984 i took her to lucius boomers lucia i remember i bought a brand new shirt i was so excited about this date and this was in the days where the landing was really smoking too because you had the brass rail the old spaghetti factory Jake's Steaks, Muddy Waters. That was about the time Athena and the Hubcaps were scoring big points. Athena was a great singer, and the band was really tight. And she should be able to take her voice and do what Kelly Wilde, Trixie Delight, does now. If she's singing a Stevie Nicks song, she'll sound just like Stevie Nicks. And Athena could do that, too. And so my first girlfriend in St. Louis, Angie, with an I, A-N-G-I, Angie from beautiful downtown Cahokia, Illinois. She and I went out. It was the first date I had in St. Louis back on this date in 1984. Very, very fond memories of those times. Let's talk a little bit about the Cardinals and in particular the Tyler O'Neill non-call 
yesterday. Now, if you watched the game or you saw the highlights, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you didn't, let me reconstruct it for you. Tyler O'Neill's playing left field yesterday in Arizona. And late in the game, here's a long fly ball back, back, back to the wall. And with his back to the wall, Tyler O'Neill jumps up above the top of the wall. His glove goes way up in the air where it collides with the glove and the arm of a fan who is reaching over to try to also catch the ball, which he did, by the way. And Tyler O'Neill standing there going, hey, hey, that should have been an out. And remarkably, the umpiring crew, they go back and they look at it and they go, no, home run. And everybody else is like, what are you talking about? I got a screenshot of it and I put it on my Facebook page, the showgram with JC Corcoran, and you can clearly see Tyler O'Neill, you can't you can't jump backwards. If your back is against the wall and you're jumping up, you can't really get your arm or your glove too far over the wall. So you're just you're basically jumping straight up in the air, which means that it's just physics. It means the fan had to be leaning over the top of the wall to be able to interfere in the first place. That's the reason you have fan interference rules in the first place. That's the whole reason the rule is in the rule book, so that fans can't interfere with play. It's like the whole Bartman thing. Now, in the Bartman case, the ball was sort of on that dividing line where, depending on how you were looking at it and from what angle, either Bartman did reach over or did not reach over. But in this case last night, it's pretty clear the fan leaned in, stole the ball away. Now, 99% of the people who saw that will agree with the assessment and the description that I just gave you. There's a very small number, and I'm talking about a handful of guys out there who are insisting that the umpires got the call right. And I don't know how you're arriving at that for one thing i don't think you understand the rule the ball is not up for grabs as long as it is in the field of play and it's almost like in the nfl where they talk about a touchdown where the player breaks the plane it's the same thing you got to imagine an invisible line if you will that comes from the ground straight up and as long as that ball is for lack of a better way of saying it over the field of play and it would have been a home run it would have definitely gone into the stands but tyler o'neill is standing on the field of play it's his ball at that point he jumps straight up with his glove the fan snags it away it's fan interference like i said i'm not sure that the people the very small number of people who are arguing with me about this understand the rule either that or <laughs> there's an umpire in your family and you're becoming defensive about the whole thing Anyhow, Cubs are in town for the weekend, and boy, the EMT crews are going to be busy because you're going to have fans just dropping. You know, even for the game on Saturday night that starts at 6.15 St. Louis time, temperature could easily be in the upper 90s, and people do dumb things like drink a lot of beer, which is the worst thing you can do in heat like this. Look, you'll go to a lot of games over the course of your life. You can stand one game where you're drinking lemonade and you're not drunk off your ass by the third inning. And then there's Lance Lynn, who's going to get traded. He's up in Chicago having a good year with the White Sox. But he listed St. Louis as one of the teams that he will not allow a trade to. Lance, is it something we said? Women's soccer last night, I watched that game. Well, you know, Lindsey Horan, you know, when you're young, what is she, like 22, something like that? 
you don't think about the fact that at 50, you could be suffering from CTE. So soccer players are still bouncing balls off their heads, even though we know it's not good for you. Somebody's got to intervene at some point and just say, all right, look, we're going to take away the header thing. No more headers. And the players go, so change the rule. Change the rule. No more headers, but uh, you can use one fist. (laughs) Okay? You know, instead of your head, just take your hand and put it up in the air in the fist. I know soccer is supposed to be no hands, but there's stuff we know now that we didn't know when soccer was invented. And one of those things is you can really, really do serious long-term damage to yourself by, plus you got to practice it all the time. So you're bouncing these balls off your head. And like I said, then you turn 50 and you're in the hospital and you can't remember your trash day because you got CTE. Sometimes you got to change the rules. Even the Constitution has amendments. Feel sort of bad about the Sinead O'Connor thing. 56 is pretty early to be dying these days. She was way ahead of her time. She was not wrong, by the way. She was not wrong about the Pope. She was probably a little bit ahead of her time, and also her methodology was flawed, but she wasn't wrong. She was still mourning the passing of her son, Shane, who took his own life last year. I think there were some mental illness issues, too. But a tortured existence and a rough life for Sinead O'Connor. Perhaps she has found some peace now. Ellie Kemper from St. Louis plays a recently divorced woman who joins a group of strangers on a survival course in Happiness for Beginners. It's on Netflix starting today. Another movie, Sound of Freedom, Jim Caviezel and a bunch of Christian people involved in putting that together. They call it faith-based. And then um, there's also a weird QAnon connection to this music, Sound of Freedom. Well, it turns out now, you know, the box office numbers are, are really sort of surprising because it's ending up in third place, second place. One week it was in first place. People in Hollywood scratching their heads going, what the hell is going on here? Well, it turns out now that a significant chunk of the box office for Sound of Freedom has come from big blocks of tickets that people are buying and not even using to watch the movie. They're just trying to artificially inflate the box office numbers. Be aware of any organization that feels like it has to lie to you to get your attention. And you can check out the Season 3 trailer for Only Murders in the Building. That's up now. Birthdays today, Taylor Schilling from Orange is the New Black, 39. Jonathan Reese, Jonathan Reese Myers. The first time I saw him was in Match Point, the Woody Allen movie with Scarlett Johansson. Since then, King Henry VIII, Vikings, the Tudors, Dracula, all that sort of, and Mission Impossible 3. He's 46 today. Alex Rodriguez, who somehow let J-Lo slip through his fingers. 48. Maya Rudolph, formerly of Saturday Night Live, and of course, Bridesmaids, 51. One of the blue-collar comedy guys, Bill Engvall, 66. Maureen McGovern, who had a big hit in 73 from the soundtrack of the Poseidon Adventure the morning after. She's 74. Peggy Fleming won the gold medal. Medal for skating back in the 60s. She's 75. Betty Thomas, another person from St. Louis, Hill Street Blues, directed The Late Shift, the Brady Bunch movie, 76 today. Norman Lear, the legend, 101. Nancy Wilson of Hart married Cameron Crowe, the director, on this date back in 1986. They divorced in 2010 and set off a firestorm in that family and it was on this date 1996 centennial olympic park in atlanta 
Somebody set off that pipe bomb in 96. One person killed, 100 injured, and Richard Jewell made the scapegoat before they realized that he didn't have a darn thing to do with anything. Hulk Hogan got engaged to his longtime love, so congratulations to Hulk and his bandana. Water temperatures off the Florida coast, and I mean Key West. The water hit over 100 degrees. It's like getting in a hot tub. It's The whole state smells like a redneck gumbo. And Congress held a UFO meeting, asked for proof creatures from another planet live amongst us. And a witness pointed out Marjorie Taylor Greene. And with that, the Jason Quarkman podcast for Thursday, July 27, 2023, is in the can. We're here every weekday morning at 11, Monday through Thursday, with the podcast. Helps if you spread the word about this and also the radio show every morning at 101.5 and 101.7 and online at kwolf.com, Rocket Americana. All right, enjoy your weekend. Back on Monday, do what you got to do to stay cool. And in the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. All the flowers that you planted, mama, in the backyard, all We're on a mission from God.